Hello and welcome to a brand new season of Fly on the Wall. I'm Alex. And I'm Abby and welcome to season four. We're so excited to kick off the season with a great episode. Our guest today is Josh Pitcock, one of the Geopolitics Fellows this semester. Speaking of Geopolitics Fellows, we have a great class this semester. You can find out who they all are at politics.georgetown.edu slash fellows. They're going to be hosting weekly discussion groups here in the Geopolitics office, the G18. You just come by, you don't need to sign up or come every time or do any reading. It's like your favorite class without the homework. They'll also be holding office hours. Make sure to sign up for that also on the Geopolitics website at politics.georgetown.edu. Come talk to the fellows one-on-one. Get to know them. It's a great opportunity. And while you're online, make sure you follow Fly on the Wall on Twitter. We are at Fly on the Wall Pod on Twitter. And if you want to leave us any feedback, comments, questions, we'd love to hear from you. It is flyonthewallpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, and don't forget about our Instagram at flyonthewallpod. Thanks for keeping me honest there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but now back to Josh. He has been with Vice President Mike Pence since 2005 in a series of senior roles and is one of his closest advisors. Uh, his most recent role was with Vice President Pence as his chief of staff in the White House, and now we're very happy to have him at Georgetown this semester. So let's get right on into it and welcome Josh to the pod. Josh Pitcock, welcome to Fly on the Wall. We are so excited to have you as our first guest of season four. Super, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here in uh, Georgetown this fall semester. Great, we are super excited for, uh, for your fellowship and to get this uh, season of Fly on the Wall started. So uh, let's jump right in. So. Uh, we want to talk a bit about your time on the Trump-Pence campaign and then and then in the White House. Um, so obviously you worked for Mike Pence for a very long time, back to his days on the Hill, and then when he was governor and uh, on the campaign you were his policy director, and you spearheaded the effort to prep him for the vice presidential debate, which is one of the vice president's big moments yep. um, on the campaign. So talk to us a bit about that. How much autonomy did you have in crafting that, uh, or was it all really coming from the top? So in the campaign, uh, I will say that the um, candidate Trump and his team gave uh, then-Governor Pence a lot of freedom, and uh, they recognized that he'd been in the political sphere for a long time. You know, he'd been in Congress for 12 years, he'd then been governor for almost four years, and um, and candidate Trump was new to politics, right? So they gave a lot of deference to um, Governor Pence and and his team, and that really reflected in the debate prep. Um, they pretty much left us alone to do prep as as he wanted it done. And um, and you know, candidate Trump, you can read about this. Like, took a different approach to debate prep. Right? We took what I think people would consider as a more traditional approach. Um, yeah. So speaking of that traditional approach, how did uh, Governor Pence and Governor Scott Walker, who played Tim Kaine yeah. uh, during debate prep, uh, prepare for those mock debates? So um, I'll hit Governor Walker first. He was mm-hmm. fantastic, and um, Governor Walker is a just a fantastic human being, really a fun person, very smart. And when we asked him if he'd be willing to play Senator Kaine, he immediately said, "Yes, I'll do it." Mm-hmm. And um, by it was like I think we asked him on maybe a Thursday or a Friday, and by the end of the weekend, he had let us know that he had watched like every YouTube speech that Senator Kane had recently given, <laughs> and he had awesome. done all of this prep homework before we had even sent him any materials. Um, Governor Pence had you know um, been in Congress for twelve years, and was on the Judiciary and the Foreign Affairs Committees, um, and he was also in congressional leadership, so. 
he knew federal issues just by virtue of his past history, right? But he had been governor mm-hmm. for three and a half-ish years at that point in time. And um, so we did a lot of refreshing on the issues, not that he didn't know what his position were or was or where he you know, had been on issues in the past, but remembering like, when you're a busy elected official, right, and you've then been focused on a state for the amount of time he had been, remembering maybe how he voted on something in 2002 is a whole other ballgame. And so you have to go through and, and remember, um, refresh your memory on some of those positions and things that you've said in the past. And then um, the other big portion that goes into it is knowing what candidate Trump is, the vice president. You're expected to support the candidate, obviously, his positions, and making sure you had all of that straight and knowing any place where maybe there were divergences where you could be attacked during the debate. And so, you know, the mock debates themselves, um, tell us about them. How many of them did you have? And, uh, you know, did you intersperse them throughout the process? Did you sort of backload them right before the debates? Uh, what was the strategy there? Yeah, we, um, we knew the, I forget the exact date of the debate now, but it was like the first week of October. And so after the convention was over and we sort of got like vice president candidate 101 down, right? Like. <laughs> going out, traveling, there's a lot that goes into in a very short amount of time figuring all of that out, right? Um, Then we were able to really kind of uh, focus in, and I kind of took it upon myself uh, with our team, and we had a great team of people on the vice president's campaign staff that worked on the debate prep, and we worked up sort of a schedule. Some of it was a little bit aspirational, right? But we really wanted to have a lot of time go into the... um, debate prep because we knew it would be the really big moment for the governor. And so we um, we did, I believe, four mock debates. And in the time leading up to the first mock debate, mm-hmm. we would set aside time, usually at the governor's um, residence when he was in Indianapolis, where we would do prep. So before you get to the point where you can do a mock debate, you need to at least go through um, the binders. Like I worked with policy, people who had volunteered for the campaign to build a lot of briefing binders on different issues, and we would work through those and do other debate prep kind of on our own sessions. The governor was uh, very studious, and he would take the binders, and he would read them at night, um, go through them. He would watch tape uh, of you know past debates and, and prep in all of those ways in order to even get to your first mock debate. And then in our uh, first mock debate, uh, Nick Ayers played the moderator, Governor Walker played Senator Kane, and we kind of kept those rules through all the mock debates. And and um, we did the first one probably three weeks, maybe, before the, um, the debate, and then followed that one a week later. And then we went to Wisconsin, and we sort of had, we jokingly called it like debate camp, right? And we holed up in a hotel for a couple of days, and and we did like two back to back on those days. Yeah. Um, so after hearing all that, it sounds like Governor Pence was very studious, knew his information very well. Um, so what points in the mock debates do you think worked really well, and what points do you think required some workshopping? Um, well, you know, we really we worked through a lot of difficult issues, right? Mm-hmm. Campaigns are um, all. at at base should be about the issues there's a lot of other noise that happens in them and Mm -hmm. that noise gets addressed through a lot of other things in the campaign but when you get into a debate you really can focus more on the policy 
And so that was what we wanted to do, and, and he wanted to be very um, strong on the policy. And so, yeah, there was workshopping of different issues. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'll use abortion as an example. That's a controversial issue, right? Right. Um, for people, and um, Governor Pence was known as being stridently, you know, very strongly pro-life person. And so, at the same time, showing that you, know, you have compassion on that issue and, mm -hmm. um, and an understanding of where people other people with a different perspective are coming from and making sure that shows in the answer. And I think that it did. He, he I think, gave a very strong answer on that. Yeah, so um, with all that prep in mind, uh, the night of the debate actually came and you were there, you know, watching it in the green room. Uh, what were you thinking during the debate? Did you feel like it was going well? Were there any turning points that, uh, where you felt the mood in the room switch? Just what was the general reaction like? Um... Early on in the debate, and this is credit to Governor Walker because he really did study Senator King, um, he, in some of our mock debates, had used a phrase that Senator Kane had liked to use on the campaign trail. I think it was um, talking about Donald Trump if, in comparing to the Hillary Clinton, I guess, the economic program. It was like, I think it was like, if you want a your hired economy, you'll you'll vote for Hillary Clinton. If you want a your fired economy, you'll vote for Donald Trump. It was something to that effect, right? And um, early on in the debate, Senator Kane used like that exact line, and of course, Governor Pence knew how to respond to mm -hmm. it, and he did beautifully. And I remember feeling at that moment like, all right, this is gonna be good. This is gonna be a good night. Yeah, he's well prepared. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so now kind of switching gears a sure. bit. Um, so next topic uh, is a day in the life uh, as the vice president's chief of staff. Mm -hmm. um, so you were there in the White House for seven months, which is definitely a long time uh, in yes. White House years. Yeah, days <laughs> to say the like least. Weeks, weeks yeah. Like months. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so if you want to just start off by taking us through the run of show for a typical day there. Um, well, a typical day for me involved probably driving through the gates about 6.30 in the morning, so early, yes. because, um, well, A, the president is an early riser, mm. um, as you can see, sometimes he sends early morning tweets, right? <laughs> and the vice president, therefore, is also an early morning riser, because he wanted to be up, and so we started our days early. Mm -hmm. I liked to get into the office um, and have a little bit of what I would refer to as like quiet time to catch up on emails and just see what we had the day ahead, know where we were going to have to make adjustments. And then around 7.30, I would go into an intelligence briefing um, for anything that happened national security-wise that we needed to be aware of going into the day. Mm -hmm. And then after that, there would be a senior staff meeting in the chief of staff's office. Um, and then I would do a senior staff meeting with the vice president's staff. And then usually after those meetings had happened, the vice president would be rolling in. And then your day totally depended on what he was doing. Mm -hmm. um, maybe he had a big speech. Maybe it was mostly a day of meetings in the White House. Um, maybe we were traveling, and uh, I often traveled with him. Uh, sometimes I could stay back, but especially early on, it was important to travel with him because traveling is a whole different, the road show is a whole different thing and making sure everything goes smoothly. Um, so you just kind of crank through your day depending on what he had and um, 
what else was going on in the White House. Maybe the president had a big speech or an event that the vice president was going to attend, making sure that everything in that regard would work well. Um, And then you never knew what could happen, right? Like um, some external event can happen and it upsets the whole day and the schedule and you clear everything and you deal with that. Um, Beyond that, if it was a normal-ish day and the vice president didn't have a dinner event or an evening speech, he usually would head home and then I would stay, um, work with the staff. Uh, nobody at the White House really leaves at five. It's a late kind of, <laughs> it's an early morning and a late night kind of place. And uh, so you would eat your meals there and catch up on your work and then try to get home sometime and get, get some sleep for the next day. And so what sort of interaction throughout the day would you have with um, not just the vice president's staff, but also the president's? Um, you know, I worked closely with the president's staff. I expected the vice president's staff to work closely with his staff. We, um, going back to the campaign, as I said before, you know, they, they gave a lot of um, deference to Governor Pence in the campaign and his team to be professional and do what needed to get done. And that continued through the transition and at the White House. And, um, you know, it, it's a unique role, the vice presidency, obviously, and being a staffer to the vice president is unique because you're working for the president, of course, and for the administration, but also for the vice president specifically. And, um, and the president's in charge, but the vice president has the ability to give input on policy issues, on communications strategy, political strategy, right? And so mm-hmm. he has staff that work on all of those issues, and you want to make sure those staff have a seat at the table with the president's staff to work through um, whatever the issue of the day is. And that was important for us to be really closely integrated. And I think we set the tone for that in the transition um, by closely working with the, the president's transition, president-elect's transition team on hiring and staff and working with them in that regard then allowed us to be integrated into the White House. Oh, okay. So back to your earlier answer about how you travel a, little, a lot with Vice President Pence when he mm-hmm. was on the road. Um, how often were you with him when he was just around the White House? Um, did you spend most of your day with him or were you usually on your own um, working through your own agenda while he had his? Um, I was with him a lot. The vice president has a beautiful set of offices on the second floor of the uh, EEOB, the Eisenhower Executive Office Building. Mm-hmm. And he has a large ceremonial office, um, and the vice president's chief of staff has a large office there that's very historic and beautiful. Um, but we were hardly ever over there. We were mostly in the West Wing. The vice president spends, when he's in Washington and working at the White House, he spends most of the time in his West Wing office. And um, right off of his office is a small space where his assistant works, his, um, uh, we call him body man. I'm sure he has a better title than that, but the person who's really with him all the time. And then the chief of staff has a small, cubby I called it I guess it had a desk <laughs> it was a um, and I worked in the cubby and uh, um, spent most of my time there if uh, you know if he had meetings um, in and around the west wing uh, you know I, I often staffed him but I also tried to let other people do it because a that gave them more exposure and experience and b gave me some time back in front of my computer to deal with emails and phone calls and all the other stuff that comes up. Mm-hmm. 
Well, great. Um, sounds like the job gets pretty uh, intense uh, yeah. and pretty tiring. So, uh, so one last uh, segment that we like to do here on, on Fly on the Wall uh, before we wrap up is called the lightning round. Okay. Um, it's just what it sounds like. We're going to throw a few questions at you mm-hmm. and uh, first thing that comes to mind. Yes, it's a fan favorite. It's a lot of fun. Right. Just, <laughs> See no, how I do. None of these are too roughly hard. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, so number one, you actually uh, touched on this already, and listeners, I promise we didn't collaborate on this, but is the vice president's chief of staff, chief of staff's office nicer than the president's chief's, chief of staff's office? No. No. Okay. Interesting. Okay. The executive office building office for the chief of staff mm-hmm. is very nice, but the president's chief of staff's office in the West Wing is really big, has a great fireplace, and off the back of it, the back wall, there is a door that goes to a nice little patio. Uh, That's a very, uh, very good office space. (laughs) Great. Um, Name one thing you missed most about working at the White House. You know, I miss the people. Um, I made a lot of friends there. We had a wonderful staff, and I mean, I miss, obviously, the vice president, who I'd worked for for a long time, but... Mm. Um, all of the staff and just the people you get to know and work with because you, you really do bond because you're working so intensely together. Um, and so, number three, you've worked for Mike Pence for a long time. What's your favorite job you've had with him? I think my favorite job that I've had with him was in 2009 and 10 when he was the House Republican Conference Chairman, which is the third ranking leadership position in the minority, which we were in in the minority mm-hmm. uh, those two years. But in 2010, the Republicans won the House back. And those whole two years, we really spent positioning ourselves for the election, um, building a lot of unity amongst the caucus. And you know, then Chairman Pence was, just, he was great in that job. He loved it. We had a really, really amazing staff and it was a fun two years. Awesome. And last question. Um, I'm actually very curious about this one, but what is Vice President uh, Pence's favorite food? Hmm. Favorite food, you know... Maybe a better question for his assistant. Yeah. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> well, he goes through different kicks and phases okay. of food. Um, so he, uh, like... For a couple of years, like having a handful of nuts in the afternoon mm-hmm. was a big thing, right? Okay. Um, Seven almonds, exactly. Very yeah. healthy. He's healthy. <laughs> he, he I wish I could be that healthy. Very healthy. A lot of salads. Um, mm. He, for a long time, was on a big diet coke kick, and then he kind of got off of that a little bit. The most important mm. thing for the vice president, I would say, in terms of sustenance, is coffee in the morning. Yeah. Okay. Yes, as is with most people. <laughs> Um, so last thing, we want to give you a moment to plug your discussion group. Thank you. Yes. I'm really excited about it, and I hope that we'll have great turnout. It is on Tuesdays from 4 o'clock to 5.30. And what I'm going to be leading discussions on, but I hope to just be leading them and then really engaging in a lot of discussion with, with the students is, what are the different things that you can do um, during college as interns or post-graduation in terms of working in politics, public service, government, campaigns? I've covered um, a lot of those in my different um, jobs, working for Vice President Pence and now working at Oracle as a lobbyist. And uh, I hope to impart you know, some ideas into your head to <laughs> maybe think, oh, I, I didn't think about going to work for a governor in a state house, and I had only thought about working on the Hill, and oh, maybe I should think about this or that agency. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so I'm hopeful that we'll have good discussions on that and uh, people will walk away thinking, oh, all right, I could maybe do this or that that I hadn't thought of. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. Something I would definitely like to go to as I try to figure out my future. But yeah, good. <laughs> yes. and I'll Tuesdays be there. I'll be there too. Tuesdays at four. Yes. Josh Paycock's discussion group. Thank you so much for coming on Fly yes. on the Wall for our inaugural episode of season four. It's a pleasure to have you. Great, and thank you for staying tuned for this week's episode. And don't forget to watch out for next week's guest and check out our chalkboard art in Selinger starting today. So be sure to check out Selinger. And again, please follow us on Twitter. We'd love to have new followers. I promise we'll follow back. It is at flyonthewallpod on Twitter and at flyonthewallpod on Instagram. And again, feel free to leave us feedback, flyonthewallpodcast at gmail.com. Great, see you next week.